Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I am joined by sign language interpreter, who I met while she was working at Horror Hound. Please welcome my friend, Kelsey Kelsey Newworth. Hi. (laughs) I... Before we started recording, I was just telling Kelsey about my big fear of saying someone's name wrong while introducing them on the podcast. So I repeated her last name like five times only to get Kelsey Only to mess wrong. up the first name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I was God. thinking That's where that my... in my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'll call myself out immediately. I was like, <laughs> of all the things to mess up. Oh my goodness. <laughs> How are it's you all doing? Good. It's all good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Today we are going to be analyzing the connections, the similarities, and basically everything between a nightmare on Elm Street and Stranger Things. So if you get if you guys haven't listened to Stranger Things, listen oh my goodness if you guys haven't watched stranger things season four yet i highly recommend you doing that because this episode will be hella spoilers on stranger things right spoiler alert (laughs) before we talk about that when did you first like start getting into the horror genre when did you become a fan okay honestly probably my first okay my first memory that i have uh Memory, trauma, I don't know, one of those. (laughs) Um, I don't know what year it was. I mean, I guess I could have looked it up. But do you know when the first Jeepers Creepers movie came? Well, hang on. I don't even know if there's like a super old one, but like the ones that we watched today, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, early 2000s. Yes, yes. Okay, so I was younger and my dad was watching that movie in the living room and he's like sitting in the recliner watching it and I'm like behind him on the couch and we're watching it and oh my god like I was so scared honestly and I remember I was crying at the end of it because I didn't want to go to bed because I was like this monster is gonna it's gonna come get me because you know that whole storyline was every 23 years this thing comes and kills a bunch of people sniffs them, licks them, whatever. And I'm like, we never know what year it's coming back. It could be this year. Like that's the part that freaked me out the most. And I remember he had to like go to, I I mean, I guess it was, I guess we had rented the DVD, you know, back when like Blockbuster was the thing because he went to special features and he pulled up like the special features behind the scenes, whatever. And he like, plays the the clips of the actor getting the makeup on and putting the mask on and getting all of that stuff and he's the they're talking to the the makeup artist and everything and I remember my dad he muted the tv 
and he starts making up his own conversation in like a funny voice to like match the lips or whatever so that I wouldn't be scared of this monster anymore so I mean I don't know that's probably like between like 10 and 12 around is there right because I was just freaked out by that like those are the those are more so the types of movies that get me more (laughs) so than you know just your bloody gore jump out and scare you it's like the ones that technically could maybe be happening (laughs) (laughs) you know like something like that it's like oh this thing comes every 23 years and it's like okay well what year did it last come you don't know it could be be coming (laughs) yeah and um some people are probably thinking i don't think that monster exists but you know like there are weird we don't know everything there are weird monsters that could exist maybe not specifically exactly like that but there's so many like unknown creatures that are out there like mothman you know yes our Bigfoot. We don't know they don't exist. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was I actually so again, I guess I'm just recently finding out kind of about everything. But um <laughs> my my boyfriend was actually just talking about the whole Mothman air quote conspiracy or whatever cuz I didn't know what that was. And I he started talking about it because I had mentioned um well, and you know, you're not from where I'm from. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. So here, not too far from here, there's like a um, a legend, myth, or whatever about the Popelick monster. I don't know if that's like how widespread that is, but here everybody knows about the Popelick monster. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I was telling him about that, and he was like he had never heard of it so he googled it or whatever he's like well that just makes me think of the mothman and i'm like who the heck's the mothman and so he (laughs) goes through all of these things talking about the mothman and it's just it's wild the stuff that happens (laughs) yeah yeah i gotta um i gotta google that one because i love um i love these sort of creatures that like well we don't know that they exist but we don't know they don't exist there is a double negative in there um yeah Yeah, that the Popelick monster thing whatever I don't know there's an area of town called Popelick something and there is an Hmm. old um train track trestle up on a bridge type thing uh and it's still active so like it has a train travel it randomly I I've never been to this area because I don't want to die because that's the thing <laughs> people go there and they die you know it, it and they talk about like oh the there's a goat man ah yeah that's why he was talking about the moth man because i'm like oh the pope like monster is like half goat half man that's what they all say and people go there in search of goat man or whatever and uh <laughs> and they get hit by a train or run off the side and they have to jump off because here comes a train and they just keep dying. And I'm like, well, quit going there. <laughs> I mean, so- sometimes curiosity gets the better of us. <laughs> not me. I'm not going. <laughs> oh, I get that for sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to dive in and do my uh, Google findings so I can learn more. Because uh, that's I love that sort of thing. Um, reading about it, not investigating myself. Right, right. <laughs> 
Have you ever heard? Okay, so you're from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm from the Detroit area in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And we have, I guess this is more like far up north Michigan, almost Wisconsin area. But have you ever heard of the Michigan dog man? No. It's exactly what it sounds like. Just like the goat man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we all have like all of our areas have our own. um, Superstition. Yeah. Urban legends. Yeah. Monsters. And I, I just think that's really that's really awesome. So like I said earlier in the introduction, we both met at the Horror Hound Cincinnati convention and where you were working as a uh, sign language interpreter. And I'm really curious, is that a place you would have liked to gone had you not been working? (laughs) Okay, yes. So here's the thing. I had actually never heard of Horror Hound before I was contacted about interpreting it. I was like, what is this? I don't, I don't know what this is. So I'm like Googling it. I'm like, oh, okay, like, cool. There's probably going to be like, it's going to be a fun, like atmosphere. All right. This sounds like a fun job, which it was definitely. Uh, but the, they had us interpreting for all of the panels that they had in the big panel room, uh, in that big, like conference room, ballroom or whatever. Um, And then in the other rooms is where like the booths were set up and people were selling all of their different merchandise and stuff that they make. Uh, Then in the other room, you have all of the autograph opportunities and whatever. But uh, I actually thoroughly enjoyed being in the panelist room just because each, each panel, you know, obviously had their own topic. They had they had uh, the different stars and everything there and filmmakers, whatever. So just getting to hear, you know, like, yes, I'm working, I'm listening and taking it in and switching it and interpreting it, but I'm picking up here and there things that I never knew, uh, you know, kind of backstories and different things like that. So I definitely enjoyed that part. And I was able to like on break or uh, we did have time where we got to walk around with everything else and, you know, see the different people dressed in cosplay and walk around to the booths. I mean, I spent like a bunch of money there buying stuff Uh, (laughs) and then stood in line. Well, obviously we stood in line and got autographs. That's where we started talking. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I got to still enjoy the Horror Hound Festival outside of working it for sure. That's awesome. So we talked about Jeepers Creepers for a little bit. What were some of the other horror films that got you to be a spooky fan while growing up? Honestly, what got me to be more of a spooky fan probably wasn't even necessarily actually horror movies. It was just that kind of vibe, you know? Uh, <laughs> Uh, just like the love for just Halloween and, you know, just this yeah. time of year. It, it's just this time of year in general. Everything that has to do with fall and the changing of the seasons and this time of year, like I'm all for it. You know, obviously learning about mm-hmm. the different legends and urban legends and stuff. But I tell you what, 
aside from like horror movies, I would say that I've seen more things about like, like more so like documentaries about, about mm-hmm. haunted places or stuff like that. Like I had seen more of that and kind of got wrapped in that more so than actual, your typical horror movies. And so then I guess it just became like, you know, I'd always hear about them. Like I know who the characters are, like, you know, Freddy Cougar, mm-hmm. Michael Myers, you know, all of like, I can name them. I know who goes with what movie. And I guess just all these years went by and I realized, oh crap, I've never actually sat down and physically watched these movies. Like I know the gist of all of it just from, you know, seeing clips here or there or people talking about it or whatever. It's like, I can literally know the storylines and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And I just realized, wait, I haven't actually sat and watched them yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, just more so getting into the supernatural side of things really is more so where I was coming from, but horror movies in general are just entertaining. Are you someone who would go to like an abandoned place to try and see a ghosty? Okay. So again, I'm not sure how much you know about the area that I live in, but we have, um, (laughs) like I'm literally probably 10 minutes away uh, from Waverly Hills sanatorium. I don't know what that is. You've never heard of, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Waverly Hills Sanatorium way back in the day was an old tuberculosis hospital. Okay. So many, many people died there. So basically way back when, in the old days, if you got sick with TB, you went there and they you know, again, this is before modern medicine and everything. So they did experiments on people, you know, to try to heal them, shock therapies, you know, all this different stuff that was not going to cure TB. So, I mean, just countless people were just dying there every day. And they, it's a huge building. I mean, you know, hospitals are big. It's a huge building and it has a, uh, it, it, well, I mean, they call it what it is. It's literally called the body shoot. So they didn't want to be, they didn't want people on the outside to constantly see how many people were dying and being transported out of this hospital. So they have like an underground tunnel. It's the body shoot. And they would just roll the bodies down <laughs> to get them, oh, you no. know, out of the hospital and transported off of property. And I mean, for years, it's it's set over there and it was vacant. And, you know, you can tell like people have like all the glass is broken out of all of the windows. It, it's a couple stories. I can't remember how many stories it is. And there's, you know, been vandals go in there. Like there's a lot of graffiti and and stuff like that. And I know that people used to go and like sneak onto the property and, you know, just go up there and mess around. I never did that, but today I don't think you can. I think they have it, you know, like fenced off or whatever, because whoever owns it, they run, you know, all of the, they have a tours that you can buy tickets to and take a tour and they have overnight tours, like group tours. So you can book an overnight, you can either... 
actually, I don't know if the overnights, I don't think they have a staff person with you. Like, I don't think you have a guide or whatever. You can have, you can book overnight excursions, I'm going to call them, um, you know, with your group of people, your friends, and you're just there. And yeah. you can bring equipment, you can bring whatever equipment you want to bring, flashlights, cameras, recorders, all kinds of stuff. I definitely have not done that. I have gone there, coincidentally, to interpret for a tour. Uh, I had, yeah, I had a friend reach out to me. She had bought tickets and she was like the only deaf um, member of her group, her family and some friends. They were going to take a guided tour. And this is probably, it was in the evening. So, you know, it wasn't dark, but the sun started to go down while we were there. So it was kind of like the perfect time to be there. I remember, you know, it's, it's privately owned, so they weren't going to pay for an interpreter to come and, and do all of that. But what they did end up offering was they gave me a free ticket to basically join their tour group. And then I just interpreted for her so that she could enjoy the tour. But I mean, obviously I enjoyed, enjoyed it too, of course, and, you know, got to learn different things that I didn't know and walk through and go the, the certain floors. I know that there's like one floor, it's either the third or the fourth floor, but they don't allow any flash photography at all. So you can take your phones and cameras in there, flashlights, everything, but on this one specific floor, like you cannot have it. Like it's a complete blackout and it's supposed to be because there's something active on that floor. And if it's not completely dark, you won't catch it. I don't know. I didn't see anything when I was there specifically, but anyway, there's just a lot of stories and a lot of history around Waverly Hills Sanatorium. I mean, I know people come from all over to visit there or take a tour. So you should make a trip down here. <laughs> I, uh, I got to tell you, I'm the type of person that would love to read and listen about that sort of thing, but actually going, I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, I... I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm good from a distance. <laughs> like I, I didn't mind going on that tour, you know, because it was guided. We were with a group, so I'm obviously not alone. And, you know, we still had some daylight. So I was kind of curious, you know, I'm looking around just seeing if I'll see anything out of the corner of my eye. I'll do it in that kind of situation. But you <laughs> drop me there alone. Uh uh. It's not going to happen. Regardless if there's anything there or not, my eyes are going to see it. My brain is going to make me think I saw it and I'm going to run away. <laughs> <laughs> that I completely understand. I just, I'm just, nope, not, not for me. <laughs> I, I, I'll let everyone else go and they can tell me the stories when they get back, but yeah. I ain't taking no chances. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that that stuff is really, really interesting, though. I'm going to pivot for a little bit because I'm curious about something. You mentioned how you were kind of going back and watching the horror movie classics. Yeah. One of them being A Nightmare on Elm Street. That was a recent watch for you, yeah. um, which will be very topical coming up. But when you started watching stranger things 
Was that before or after you decided, oh, I got to watch the horror movie classics? That was before. Yeah. So I had watched Stranger Things uh, just because obviously it was super popular and I wanted to catch up on it because everyone was raving about it. And I mean, honestly, though, by the when I finished watching Stranger Things within a month was when I was at Horror Hound. So, I mean, I had finished it fairly (laughs) recently. And I think that's awesome because um, I think Stranger Things, I think it's one of those horror movie or it's not a movie, a horror TV shows that is so mainstream that a lot of people don't even realize it's horror because yeah. it's other things too. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of elements in Stranger Things, but I think that's a good like gateway into the larger horror genre for a lot of people that think because I don't think a lot of people should necessarily jump into the horror genre watching Saw. <laughs> I, you know, I, I forgot all about Saw. I love those movies. See? <laughs> you seen some of the classics. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, I guess. I, I mean, again, like you were just talking about, you don't think about certain things as being what they are. Like, I mean, obviously Saw is horror. What else is it going to be? Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> You know, when I think of horror movies, I do think of the Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddie, Michael, Martin, like yeah. those, like your typical classic ones that people are like, oh, horror movies, this, 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 that you can name up, name off the top of your head. But I got to thinking about it and I was just, I don't know, I guess like sometimes I'm like, oh, there's scary movies and then there's horror movies, but really they're kind of the same, but that I feel like there is a bit of a difference though. Like you have your, mm-hmm. your intense ones that I would be like a horror. And then you have, yeah. you're just like, Oh, like your, your weird ones, your creepy ones. And it's like scary. But I mean, Saul's definitely horror because it's, I mean, you're cutting your own legs off and doing all yeah. kinds of stuff. But yeah, I guess I just, I don't know. I forgot all about that one. Honestly, <laughs> I think what makes those type of movies like the ones that intrigue me the most play more so with your mind you know like saw I mean you know okay okay we're talking about like horror but I just thought of I would consider it like a you know a psychological thriller which I mean they go hand in hand but at the same time, I guess that's just how my brain categorizes that. Like, <laughs> instead of just, you know, a monster popping out and like slashing you with a the hash singing slasher. What? <laughs> I think that's also like SpongeBob or something. Uh, instead of something, you know, jumping out from a bush and just like slitting your throat, it's more like they're playing mind games with you and, you know, doing all this stuff. I don't know. I guess my brain just puts that in a different category. No, I get it. Um, I'm someone who really when I try and spread the love of horror, I'm like, horror is a very, very diverse genre. Like a lot of people think it's Michael and Jason and Freddie. Yeah. And yeah, that's horror. But that's just a small corner of it because it's a lot. It's like spooky ghosts, like movies like Poltergeist. That's a horror movie. And um, you've seen Poltergeist? Uh, I see. Now I'm getting confused with The Exorcist. Poltergeist is the one with the clown doll. Exorcist is the one with the little girl spinning her head and 
vomiting okay, I don't green. think I've seen Poltergeist. Oh, but you've seen The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, those are both like, well, that's, that's actually good because those are both horror movies that feel very different, but they're really similar because they're, yeah. you know, one's about yeah. a demon, one's about a ghosty. Uh, Poltergeist is about more, more than one ghosty. Uh, spoiler alert. I recommend Poltergeist. I think you'd like it. Okay. Are like, are like Stranger Things. It's a lot of different genres. It borrows from a lot of different tropes, but it one of them is definitely horror because like in season one, you have the Demogorgon. That's basically alien. <laughs> yeah. Season three has a little bit of like invasion of the body snatchers. And uh, season four has a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street. But yeah. like, I think Stranger Things is what I would call a good gateway mm-hmm. to horror, because I think it while it is definitely violent and scary, I think it's scary in a way where a lot of people can still enjoy it. Yeah. Like, and I, and I like, contribute yeah. that to how much it puts into the actual storyline. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have this elaborate storyline and you have all these characters and you're following their lives and. You know, you have your your co- comedic relief. You have those moments where, like, there's a little bit of something for everyone. And then, yeah, you have the scary parts. Yeah. And um, it, it reminds me of, like, movies like Jaws. Because, like, that is very clearly a horror film. There's not many things scarier than a giant killer shark. Mm-hmm. Yet... That movie was the biggest movie of all time for a very long time. A lot of people have seen that movie. I think like like that Star Wars level of big, you know? Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people forget, which is silly to me, but a lot of people are like, well, Jaws isn't really a horror movie. It's mainstream. I'm like, it's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think like. I think it's funny because I don't know, I guess I was just conditioned to think that like horror movies is like the, again, like the jumping out and scaring you and the chasing you and killing you and like, you know, these monsters, like, and that's what I, and you know, blood and guts, like in my head, when I hear horror movies, like that's what I immediately go to. But like we've been saying, there's so many things that still are technically horror scary movies and they don't necessarily have that in them right and something i like to say is horror movies aren't always scary and people are like what do you mean (laughs) like isn't that the point and i like to be like well scary is something different for everyone you know what i mean yeah so if i had to say a horror that's not a horror movie because it's not scary, then I would say a lot of movies aren't horror movies and piss a lot of people off. And I get that a lot because like one of my big points is like I would put it in the same level as like Stranger Things for horror, but Jurassic Park is a horror movie. It's a lot of other movies. It's an adventure movie and a sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. But it but I mean, you know, being trapped on Dinosaur Island when the electricity goes off is not a is uh i'd be shit in my pants yeah and there's a lot of fun in that movie yeah it's not it's not something like saw where it's and even then saw is 
has a lot of thriller elements. So that's not, it's not something like The Exorcist, which for me is nonstop dread and terror. Right. Jurassic Park ain't that, but there's jump scares. There's, yeah. Um, like the Velociraptors are monsters in this film. And uh, there's quite a bit of death. So, <laughs> right. It definitely, um, but I would put Jurassic Park on like the same level as uh, Stranger Things where it's horror, but it's a lot of other things too, to the yeah. point where everyone can, it's like a gateway. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Your toes in the water. <laughs> exactly. That's the perfect way to describe it. It's, it's like, oh, if Jurassic Park's a little too intense for you, you should probably stay away from Alien. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, like talking about Stranger Things being a gateway, but well, no pun intended, because there was literally a, a gateway portal made. But, um, <laughs> you know, throughout watching those seasons, it everything that it encompasses, like it touches on so many different elements that are involved in so many other movies, like basically like concepts, you know, and which is, you know, what we were going to talk about, how they correlated with each other like one of my things was I'm sitting there you know have recently finished Stranger Things I'm watching Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time and I'm like okay he comes to his victims in their dreams okay well that's basically what was happening when Vecna was getting into the minds of the characters of Stranger Things like you know, he comes to you in your mind. No one else is aware of it. And then, you know, it's in, in Freddie Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, yeah, it starts off when they're sleeping, when they're dreaming. Okay. But then, you know, as they get more sleep deprived and they have these, uh, whatever naps they're called, where they're basically hallucinating in the middle of the day and they don't know what's real and what's not because their brain is like falling asleep, but they're awake hallucinating that's what starts happening in stranger things so i'm like oh yeah. there's a connection that's 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 where they got that from <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's like you know if you're watching stranger things like you're getting you're getting exposed to those concepts so that then you know or and even vice versa so when you go and watch other things you're like oh yeah yep that's how that works yeah i already knew about that getting back to like, you know, even the supernatural stuff. Like if you watched the, the whole series supernatural, like you learn about all of this stuff and you know, what is, you know, you know, everyone knows like, Oh, how do you kill a zombie? Well, you know, you gotta like shoot his brains out. Like you gotta, so you gotta smash the yeah. brain. Like that's how you kill the zombie. It's basically like the, the random stuff that becomes common knowledge of how you kill these made up things. And it's like yeah. every movie or show kind of has those same concepts that they elaborate on or they follow or whatever, like, uh, you know, garlic and vampires and, you know, or the, you know, the, the cross and, and um, you know, all of, all of the concepts that just, they're in everything of that genre. Like silver bullets for werewolves. Right, exactly. It's like, you know, yeah. how do we, like, how does literally everyone almost know that how to kill a vampire? Garlic. How to kill a zombie? Smash his brain. 
how to kill a werewolf. Oh, you need a silver bullet. You know, it's because it's literally, it's, it's across the board in everything that we watch, these concepts. So it's like, okay, you're watching Stranger Things and Vecna's entering people's minds while they sleep and now they're hallucinating and that's how he's able to gain power because they're getting, you know, more tired and more weak and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh yeah, that's exactly how that works because hello, that's what Freddie did. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, it, it almost like makes it more believable for the watcher, for the audience because they've seen it before. Even though this right. is something different, they've seen that concept before. So it's like, oh man, yeah. Like this is like the third thing I've seen that this happens is totally true. <laughs> <laughs> and what's really interesting about um, Stranger Things kind of playing with like these established pop culture tropes is um, Stranger Things is very much a love letter to the 80s, right? Like, like if you go and pick like cherry pick different moments from each of the seasons it's like season like in season one and season two where the kids are riding their bikes what 80s movie do you think of I mean there's a bunch but I think of E.T. yeah and uh Mike's relationship with Eleven in that first season's kind of like Elliot and E.T. and E.T. um you got Elliot and L. see see (laughs) <laughs> and, and, well, and, and, then, and that, yeah. like, literally that is exactly like one of the things I put together when watching uh, I'd already watched Stranger Things here, like, here I'm watching Freddy and one of the characters of uh, the girl that it, she dies in the bed because the boyfriend he had fell asleep was waking her up like I think in Freddy uh, Nightmare on Elm Street her character's name was Chris or Christina or whatever but I know that he was like the boyfriend was calling her Chris and I was like oh my gosh well in Stranger Things you know that's where the whole like Chrissy I don't Chrissy wake up I don't like this Chrissy wake up and I was just like did they do this on purpose (laughs) oh they definitely did it on purpose because uh they uh were tributing a nightmare on Elm Street all the way back in season I mean it's very apparent in season four and we'll we'll go through as many as we can think of but like in season one like i already said the et and the stand by me comparisons and then like demogorgon is pretty much alien yeah or main character actually, of nightmare yeah, alien but you know i'm getting more um war of the world's vibes That's with, uh, uh, with tom cruise yeah the steven because spielberg those war of the, the world. things like and they actually kind of took the shape of you know that dark cloud or whatever that he was drawing you know they're like up in the sky and they're like coming down but they were oh, like no no i'm talking to, i'm talking about the single monster from the first season oh yes 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 yes, yes. yeah yep my bad i'm getting my season but you're stuff. no you're good you're good but like the big clap yeah i get that i get the war of the worlds now so, especially well, when it's like another one into the mix see <laughs> but what i wanted to point out is like all the way in season one they were referencing a nightmare on elm street because who's the main character in a nightmare on elm street nancy thompson right yeah where else do we see a kick-ass teenage um girl who ain't afraid of the monster in the 80s like right that's nancy wheeler yeah <laughs> so from the beginning they're they were showing their love for Nightmare. It's just season four is very much a Nightmare on Elm Street 
Um, season two had like a lot of the Ghostbusters vibes mm-hmm. and Mad Max, like uh, Max being nicknamed Mad Max. Like <laughs> sometimes yeah. the references are there, uh, are like right there. But with like horror movies, and I'm sure all the horror fans listening to this will yell at me if I don't mention it. In season two, Max wears a Michael Myers Max mask to go trick or treating. Oh, yeah. And then, and then they use it again in season four as a disguise for Eddie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Michael gets some love, and I think season three they're watching Day of the Dead in the movie theater. And I like season three a lot because balls were huge in the eighties, mm-hmm. and I just like um, I just like movies set in malls. <laughs> I think they're fun. I think it's a fun location. Yeah. And then like. I think probably because um, it makes it more relatable, you know? Yeah. You've been, everybody. Oh yeah, exactly. At some point. Exactly. And then season three has a lot of different tropes. Like I, I don't remember the name, but like that Russian hitman who doesn't talk. That's basically a Terminator stand in. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's another movie that I think people forget is a horror movie is that first Terminator movie. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely wouldn't have even thought of that. I don't think Terminator is much different from Michael Myers or Jason, not until uh, the sequels where they become more action. Mm -hmm. Big, tall, indestructible robot from the future that his only mission is to kill me. Yeah, I'd be scared of that, too. <laughs> That's a pretty scary idea. But yeah, I, I love Stranger Things because there's so much from the 80s that like I, there's I'm going to remember a bunch when uh, when we stop recording and like 15 minutes from then I'm going to be like, oh, I forgot to mention oh, yeah. this. And this, this, this. <laughs> I mean, <there laughs> exactly. Was, it, was, it was full of nuances throughout the entire the entirety of the show and it you know I wasn't even picking up on them until really afterwards when I started watching other things and then I'm thinking back about it and I'm like oh oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) and I love shows like Stranger Things because while some people might dismiss it as overly nostalgic and okay that's fair if that's not your thing but there's going to be people because of Stranger Things that are going to watch E.T. for the first time, that are going to watch yeah. A Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. So, I mean, when I was dying when Stephen Robin in season three was having that whole argument about Back to the Future, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, in season four, there's so many nightmare references and homages and similarities like like the way Vecna kills someone when they start lifting up in the air oh yeah yeah that was another one of the similarities I was going to point out you reminded me of yeah because I was watching you know Freddie and at one point like he had like someone up and I was like yeah again like it's just it's Stranger Things kind of gives you one of those um foundations to where when you watch these other things like you'll constantly be in your head but oh yeah that's like that's like it wasn't stranger things that's like this like it it's just this kind of like the you know it encompassed so many references and concepts that are so widely used in everything else that 
if someone were to use that as their um, transition into that genre, like it would, it would give them a foundation of those concepts to where when they watched everything else, they'd be like, oh yeah, learned about this and Stranger Things, saw that and Stranger Things. Oh, that's kind of like this. It wouldn't be all new to them. They'd kind of seen some things before. Yeah, exactly. So I want to test your horror knowledge for a second. I think I'm going to um, fail already. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be interesting because you saw A Nightmare on Elm Street after. So it'd be very difficult uh, for you to have known this without seeing the movie. But do you remember when Robin and Nancy go to the asylum to talk to Victor Creel? Yes. That scene's basically shot for shot, the Hannibal Lecter, Clary Starling scenes from Silence of the Lambs, but. <laughs> uh, and see, and I, you know, now I'm sitting here thinking about that. Like, I obviously know <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. I know <laughs> who Hannibal Lecter is. I can picture that scene in my mind, but I kid you not, I don't think I've seen the movie. It's a good, that's a really good one. Uh, when you, so add it to the list. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I think yeah, and it's um, like, you know, and I know and it's literally it's, it's crazy because it's like I'll know like, you know, the catchphrase is like hello Clarice. Like that or yeah. you know, like like I know all of these all of the information, all of the Yeah. But then I've never seen it. You know the tro- like you know the memes, you you right. know the tropes, but there are a lot of movies like that. Like there's a lot of memes from American Psycho, but I don't think a lot of people have seen American Psycho. I haven't. And, you know, I was actually scrolling through movies to watch. And, okay, I might be ha- I might have my platforms mixed up. But I, w- I thought I was scrolling through Disney Plus and saw it, which that just seems like not right. But they have a horror category on there. But I, it might have been I, HBO Max. I've been, I think I've it been was, going back and forth. Last time I watched American Psycho, which was two months ago a month ago when i watched it was on hbo max okay that's probably where i saw it then but um but you're right disney disney does have a horror section and it's not just like the hocus pocus movies right like Like, yeah it's other things i was kind of surprised well the disney channel had some horror movies you know like scared plenty of children growing up (laughs) (laughs) it's not just Mickey's Halloween Adventure. Like, no, they made some horror movies. <laughs> and then, but yeah, um, where was I going with that? We were talking about, oh, you were talking about American Psycho. That's right. I think it's a type of movie where it's like, you either, I'm, I'm going to be careful how I say it, but it's either you get it or you don't. <laughs> but I don't mean like intellectually. Yeah. I mean like, it's not, a, I don't think it's a movie that's smarter than the audience. I just think if you watch it the wrong way, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of people might, will probably dislike it, mm-hmm. which is, which is fine because like, I think a lot of people go into American Psycho thinking it's going to be like a Michael Myers or a Jason Voorhees slasher when really it's kind of a satire on 80s excess and consumerism that plays with reality. And I think a lot of people don't like when 
movies are like, well, was did that happen or didn't it happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's reality? Um, talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, American Psycho is kind of like that. If you've seen Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, yes. American Psycho's like that. Okay, okay. Because I, I really enjoyed that movie, yeah. His if you like Joker, I think you'll like American Psycho. Okay. But I think there can be a disconnect because like, pe- like some people go in expecting a different thing. Now that you're expecting what it is, I hope yeah. you like it. <laughs> yeah, because with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, you know, I don't know, for me watching it, I definitely was picking up on just like the the deeper meanings of it all, you know, just the more so on the mental health side of things and, yeah. you know, just that kind of stuff. And yeah, so, I mean, I, I did like that. I did like his Joker. I think you'll like American Psycho. Uh, um, Christian Bale plays the lead and yeah. mm-hmm. he's great. Um, Willem Dafoe's in that movie. Yeah, there, there's some good stuff. I do remember how we got on this tangent, though, um, because I was talking about the Victor Creel scene in Stranger Things season four. <laughs> See how tangents can go? I love tangents. But um, <laughs> but I was going to ask, do you recognize who played Victor Creel? I mean, if I were to pull up his picture, maybe, but right off the top of my head right now, no. <laughs> well... And if you that, say something, I'll probably be like, oh, yeah. Well, you just saw him in A Nightmare on Elm Street because that is Robert England who oh. plays Freddy Krueger. Okay. Which I think yeah. might be one of my favorite castings. Okay, yep. So me, who, you know, watched A Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time years ago, I'm very familiar with Robert England. I did like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme of like pointing at the screen. I'm like, that's Freddy. <laughs> this like this whole season's kind of a tribute to Nightmare on Elm Street. And then you get Freddy. And then you Kruger. literally have, yeah. <laughs> and like Vecna's wow, literally probably the, the biggest connection. And I didn't get it because I it backwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think it's like the best casting because uh you get Vecna, right? And then who do you cast as Victor Creel, Vecna's father? The guy who plays Freddy Krueger. Oh, yeah. Ve- like, Freddy Krueger is literally Vecna's daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it reminds, um, I don't know if you're a big Indiana Jones fan at all, but I'm, I'm going to geek out for a second because I love Indiana. It's not horror, but it's my podcast. I do what I want. <laughs> um, in Indiana Jones in the last, so... Anyone listening, you're about to go on an indie trip with me. I <laughs> love Indiana Jones. And um, some behind the scenes info about Indiana Jones is he was in, partly inspired by James Bond. When George Lucas and Steven Spielberg teamed up to make it, it was after Star Wars and Close Encounters were huge successes and they were on a holiday together because Lucas and Spielberg are best buds and Spielberg mentioned how he wanted to do a James Bond picture. No, I'm sorry. Spielberg mentioned how he wanted to do a James Bond picture. And George Lucas was like, well, I got a better original idea. That's kind of like that. And that ended up being Indiana Jones. So 
you could say that James Bond is like the inspirational father of Indiana Jones. So in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, who do they cast to play Harrison Ford's dad? They cast Sean Connery, who Mm -hmm. is the original James Bond. Mm -hmm. So James Bond is now literally Indiana Jones's dad. Right. And Freddy Krueger literally being Vecna's dad. Yeah. I, I just love those castings that are also homages yeah, or it's like references. One of those things that's it's purposely done to where you know you're sitting there watching and you're kind of putting these things together in your head. And you're like, is it just me? Am I the only one that think? And then they just literally put that on the screen, and you're like, nope, they did it on purpose. <laughs> exactly, like it. um, like a uh, Paul Reiser. Um, his character, I, I forget his character's name. He's the guy who's like, he's um, the scientist kind of guy in season two who's trying to help Will, but you don't trust him. But it turns mm-hmm. out he's a good guy. In season four, he's the one that helps Eleven. I think one of his better known roles, other than, you know, Stranger Things, is he plays the worst dude in Aliens. So... If you're like me, who's seen Aliens first, and then you see Paul Reiser, I'm conditioned to think, oh, I don't yeah, trust him. trust him, yeah. And then, like, um, when they again, cast... probably done on purpose to keep you guessing, to kind of keep you wondering and on your toes of, can I trust this person or not? Exactly. And, like, when they cast uh, Sean Astin as Bob in season two, like, who doesn't love Sean Astin? Right, He's yeah. a goonie. yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, he's great in so many other movies like Rudy and obviously Lord of the Rings. You know, what's the romantic know, like, comedy? It's it's 51st Dates. Thank you. I was blanking. That's, that's when I saw Bob. I mean, that's the first thing I think of. Like, yeah. I just yeah. think of him in that, like, you know, he's like juicing and he's wearing that uh jersey thing that you can see through and he's you know he's talking with the lisp like that's just immediately where i went (laughs) i mean me too and like no not me too in that situation me too and like i thought of like him being literally the best friend of cinematic history and lord of the rings like like the genuine like is a good guy in almost everything and you're like oh no I don't want to and lose then, Bob. And then spoiler alert, when we lose Bob, it's just that much more right. heart-wrenching. One, because he's just a great character anyways, but he's played by an actor that most people have a good right. um, emotional connection to. Yeah, like that actor already induces a certain emotion in you surrounding them. That no matter kind of what character they play, you just have that in the in you about them. And yeah. then, you know, like Bob, like all of the actual character Bob just went right along with that and yeah, made it hurt worse when spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just love I just love that. And then one of the main characters, Winona Ryder's character, what is her name? Joyce. Oh, yeah. Like, one of the best characters of the whole show. Who doesn't love Winona Ryder already? Like, Beetlejuice, Heathers, just like uh, Sean Astin as Bob. I think we as an audience 
we like Winona Ryder. She's in so many of our favorite movies. We instantly side with her Mm -hmm. when we see her for the first time, especially in season one when everyone thinks she's crazy. But we know Will is trapped in a different dimension Mm -hmm. and it just helps us feel for that character even more because consciously or subconsciously we're always going to remember actors from their other films oh yeah well you know and that's why I mean that's why it happens with some actors you know that end up getting uh, typecasted and you know to some it can become like their detriment but to others it is a benefit um but right. it, it, it it's just because yeah you are and you know obviously you have your your actors who can do a whole spectrum and for whatever reason or another you're still able to connect and latch on to them even though they played two opposite polar ends of the spectrum of characters but uh, you know you always do you just remember them from other things and whatever emotion that they evoked in you in this that or the other you know you just kind of when you see them on the screen again that emotion is in you already I think that's why you know some well like we're talking about casting playing such an important role in things you know that really Mm -hmm. can make or break obviously duh you know anything in film or movies and and stuff you know even if you have like super talented casts if it if it just wasn't the right fit it's not going to have the same effect or right you know like the when you get a a group of cast members together who just mesh so well and you know they have the chemistry and they play off of each other and they just go together like that makes you so much more emotionally invested it makes it feel more real and I mean even to them I'm sure like during filming like it 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 helps them in the process because it does feel more real because each of them, you know, again, they have that chemistry. Whereas, you know, if you could have a different group of equally talented actors, but you're, you mix up the dynamic, well, it's a different dynamic and it's going to have a different effect. Right. I am someone who is in awe of casting directors because I, I don't understand how they do that job because but when they when they work, it works, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got a question for you because I made a con- another connection in my mind, but it's about to bring in a whole ass different iconic horror villain who I think will join Freddie and Vecna as kind of the same thing. Have are you a fan of the it movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pennywise. Because I think Pennywise, Freddy Krueger and Vecna all kind of like do the same thing in a sense. OK, I'll, I can't explain what I mean in the sense that you got a bad guy mm-hmm. who can essentially take any form they want, who invades the psyches of yeah. Children. The primarily <laughs> Children. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. 
they Meyer, uh, yeah, primarily Meyer. exactly exactly they uh <laughs> oh my god it's they just they go into these real they play on their fears uh-huh they feed off their energy are in the case of pennywise literally feed yeah <laughs> and they're uh they're sassy like freddie freddie has some of the best one line uh how many of the nightmare movies have you had a chance to watch oh wait now i okay it wasn't uh it wasn't when i when we were talking about how vecna holds up holds up the the victims it wasn't it wasn't that i was referencing it back to freddie i'm thinking now it was you know how when they're floating um in one of the newer it movies oh yeah you'll float too when they're looking at the lights and like they're just floating yeah. and looking up like their heads are up well that's literally it's like a very similar position of when you see um vecna's victims floating and their heads are looking up oh i didn't think of that I didn't think of that until just that's, now because I always that's where thought where my head was going and it was going in the to the wrong movie. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it's going to the there are multiple right movies, you know. Yeah. I think both of those are acceptable answers because my mind went to a nightmare on Elm Street when Freddie's throwing Tina across the room because she floats and then she's being thrown across yes, the room. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. that's what okay, I'm thinking so, of. Right. Okay. So then I was, yeah. Yeah, I thought there was a moment in there where it was yeah when they were floating. You're right. Yeah. The, the 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 direction of their head, their gaze, or whatever <laughs> you know, looking all crazy and and scary and creepy. Yeah. Well, that's another thing they all do is they all have their victims float. <laughs> yeah. In horrific ways, I do got to say when Vecna made made his victims bones just fucking snap and crunch i was like like yeah at this point um i've seen a lot of great <laughs> i got a funny story but at this point i've seen a lot of great horror movie um i i would consider myself a horror buff now i finally have the confidence to say it <laughs> but that made me squirm <laughs> I, that that i was like oh my gosh and then my story is when Stranger Things season four came out that Saturday, I watched it all in one day. <laughs> and I was uh, I was uh, spending the day at my grandma's house that day. So I had her watch it with me. And I'm thinking, well, Stranger Things isn't that bad. You know, I try not to watch the more gross stuff with her. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I, I mean, I watch like, I've watched Candyman and Halloween and The Ring, like a lot of horror movies with her. Anyways, I'm like, well, Stranger Things isn't hor horrible. Um, it could get violent, but nothing I wouldn't, you know, it's grandma safe. Right. Or so I thought. <laughs> you can handle it. That beginning scene is downright horrific where <laughs> you see uh, where you think Eleven like slaughtered everyone at the um, what's it called? That facility where mm -hmm. the superpowered children were that, I mean, the season starts off with that. I was like, and I looked over at my grandma and she has her eyes wide open. And I was like, I'm, I'm sure that's the most violent thing we'll see 
today. No, the <laughs> end of the episode is Chrissy's death, yeah. which is horrifying. And I look over to my grandma again and her eyes are wide open. I was like, well, we're committed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am watching this entire season today. And so is she. Uh, she ended up liking it, but <laughs> I felt so bad. I did not think it was going to be that intense. <laughs> Poor grandma. Uh, the only other time where I made a missed call was uh, we watched, I had her watch Scream with me. And you've seen Scream, right? Yes. That Drew Barrymore opening scene. And if you haven't seen Scream listening to this podcast, I don't know what you're doing. I've spoiled this like countless times already since I started the podcast. <laughs> but just in case, spoiler alert for Scream, that opening scene with Drew Barrymore is some scary stuff. <laughs> and like Scream is one of those, I, I would consider it a true horror film, but it's also a gateway to horror because it's one of those movies that I always tell my friends that aren't really into it to watch because you get to learn a bunch of the tropes. And then if you like it, then you can move to Halloween or a Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street or because because Scream is funny. Yeah, it's such a funny movie. But I think that sometimes people are like, oh, it's just a horror comedy. And I'm like, well, not it's not really a comedy. It's just a funny horror movie. <laughs> well, it's and like, then it's I like, know that's uh, splitting hairs. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, often in a lot of scary movies or horror movies or whatever, like, which I mean, Scream had more of them, which mm -hmm. again, it just caught like the whole um, satire with the scary movies, you know, yeah. that basically are, those are comedies with horror in them. <laughs> but, you know, it, it like, you'll always find a little bit of those comedic relief moments that are put in there on purpose. You know, so people literally aren't just like dying at the TV screen. <laughs> yeah. And Scream is hilarious. It's just, it's a horror movie first. And I can determine that because when I watched it with my grandma at the end of the Drew Barrymore scene, I looked over and she was not happy. <laughs> she was upset. And I felt so bad. And, and I think she wanted me to turn it off, but I'm like, <laughs> stick with it. <laughs> I, pr I promise it's a good it's you'll like the movie and she did I mean because it's a mystery who doesn't yeah. love good mysteries but yeah I felt so bad because that sometimes I can forget that how intense that Drew Barrymore scene really is mm -hmm. but hey, your um, grandma needs yeah. to come on the podcast at this point. <laughs> I think my mom would be upset if I have my grandma on first. <laughs> Bringing it back to Stranger Things, because I will talk all day about Scream, which is a Wes Craven movie who did Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven. Uh, just want to give you another connection. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I just love how Vecna, Pennywise, and Freddy Krueger all fit into the same role. Mm-hmm. And yet they're all very different. Yeah. I do think well, Vecna that, is I'm sorry. like saying how we've been talking, like you have these concepts that are almost like standardized kind of more common knowledge type concepts. And then these different movies and these different characters, filmmakers, story writers, they take it and they change it slightly or they change it a lot or they expand on this or, you know, where this move like, 
say you kind of have the same basic storyline or whatever on this movie. However, it focused on this perspective. Well, this movie takes that concept and has you looking at it from the opposite perspective. Um, But, you know, like we've been pointing out, like some of those hard, solid concepts kind of stay the same across the board. They're just tweaked a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. And And it can make for an entirely new experience. Exactly. Because just one little tweak can make something feel so fresh. Yeah. Or, you know, one little tweak plus a completely different backstory of how we got there has you invested in a completely different way. Exactly. So I, I love that sort of thing. This conversation has been so much fun. But I do, I do got to bring it to our titular question, but I'm going to change it up a little bit and change it up a little bit because we're technically talking about two villains today. Uh, obviously, the question I'm going to go with is, would you die? But I'm going to have you make a choice. Oh, goodness. If you had to choose between fighting Freddy Krueger or fighting Vecna, who would you choose? <sighs> hmm. And like... Uh, I'm in these fights, you know, in their, in their worlds, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh gosh. First I got to choose one and then I got to decide if I'm going to die or not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with, honestly, I think I'm going to go with Freddy Krueger on this one. Okay. What's your reasoning? Uh, because I'm like the Freddy Krueger, he was just like a person who then got murdered and now he's like coming back for vengeance. And is still, you know, for the most part in his human form-ish. But then Vecna, you know, he takes on that like whole alien type yeah. form. And I don't know. I don't want to fight that. <laughs> Have you got a chance to watch the Freddy sequels yet? Uh, I watched I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, like the, the newer one. And then I went back and watched the 1984 one after that. So I haven't, those are the only two of those. So you watch the original and the remake. Right. But I watched the remake before I watched the original. (laughs) I'm literally doing everything backwards. Well, you might as well play with the order. So you got to do Freddy versus Jason next. Then (laughs) uh, Nightmare 4, then 6, then 3. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But when you get to Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, I think you're going to like that one a lot. And I think you're going to find even more similarities between Stranger Things 4 and um, Freddy Krueger, I would pick Vecna, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I'm going to die either way, so. (laughs) It's like, I want to, like, I'd want to believe that I wouldn't, but I probably would. (laughs) Right, yeah. However, what I will say, though, like, once it, here's the thing, I would die because I wouldn't figure it out in time. That's However, the thing, right? If I figured it out and I knew these things, I could definitely come up with some kind of plan to like, you know, outsmart them, basically how like the characters do. But I don't yeah. think I would figure it out in time for nah. No, I agree. That's that's my reasoning for why I'm dying because like if I knew it ahead of time, I think I'd have a better chance against Vecna than I would Freddy. That being said, I have no chance if I don't know, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like that's that's sometimes I get annoyed when people are like, well, horror movie characters are dumb. I simply wouldn't do this. And it's like, sometimes 
how would you know in the moment? Right. right. In the moment, you know, yeah, like you're sitting there yelling at the screen. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. But it's like in the real world, like you, you'd be walking out like, oh, okay. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and it's like sometimes movies earn that criticism. Like a lot of the Friday, the 13th movies, not to shit on them because I love Jason, but a lot of times it's just like, hmm, I heard a noise outside that didn't right. sound good. Yeah. Let's check it. But like, if you're having a nightmare, you don't automatically assume one, you're in a nightmare, two, you're gonna not wake up from it, you know? Right. Or you don't, or like, like, you're having yeah. a nightmare, you're not thinking, oh, someone has infiltrated my brain and they're controlling this. Like, let me, let me grab onto something and wake up so I bring it back with me. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's like, if you go see a movie called Insidious, and you get mad that the main like the main characters aren't leaving immediately when they're being haunted by ghosts. It's like the normal reaction is to not assume it's a ghost. Right. We know it's a ghost because we just paid 10 bucks to watch a movie called Insidious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so another tangent, one of my beloved tangents back to Vecna and Freddie. The reason why I think I would have a if I had prior knowledge, why I'd have a better chance against Vecna is Vecna solely doing it, well, not solely, but his only purpose for doing the things he does is revenge and domination. Yeah, I, yeah. See, I was, yeah, I was going to say more so along like the, the power trip domination type thing. Um, and, and once you figure out that music is his Achilles heel, I got so many jams, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got my playlist, I love music, so... That's where I think I have the advantage or not the advantage, but the better chance. Yeah. Whereas with Freddie, Freddie's whole thing is revenge. But then you have to remember, like, he was a child murderer before yeah. he got killed by the parents. He's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, Freddie was an ass before he got burnt and that's then he true. became a demonic ass. Yeah, that's true. I think Freddy is meaner than Vecna and Vec not to, not to say Vecna's not a mean dude. Vecna's mm -hmm. probably the meanest dude in all of stranger things. <laughs> but I, I just think that, uh, that Fre for me, Freddy takes the edge. Even when he does get a lot sillier in those later nightmare movies, which I'm sure you will get to. <laughs> As uh, someone who's newer to A Nightmare on Elm Street, did you like it? I did, yeah. I think it's awesome when like, because I kind of grew up with A Nightmare on Elm Street. Not really. Like I was in high school when I first watched it. Mm -hmm. So that's like at the tail end of growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because when I think I grew up with something, I'm thinking like when I was eight years old, I grew up with Jurassic Park. You know what I'm saying? In Jaws mm -hmm. and and like the classic universal monsters like uh, Frankenstein and the Wolfman. Yeah. But I technically grew up with Freddy Krueger. I did watch that movie in high school and Ghostface, you know, those were. But um, as someone who just watched, it makes me feel happy that that movie still holds up. Yeah, yeah. Because it gets to the point where it's like, does the movie actually hold up or am I nostalgic? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So and that happens but, so often, not, you know, not just with horror, but with anything, you know, especially, you know, like we were talking about with Disney Plus, when Disney Plus came out, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I get to watch all yeah. of the things I grew up with. And it's like, I'll start playing it. And I'm like, I remember this being better. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, oh, I remember this being way scarier than it really is. Yes. And horror movies don't usually, I mean, it's really rare for a horror movie to be just as scary as the first time you watched it. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes you, sometimes they are. I just watched a movie called The Descent today that I haven't seen in years. And I was like, and I remember when I was, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, that was a scary ass film. And then I watched it today and I was like, oh, that was a scary ass film. So, (laughs) so it does happen. It does happen. But like I was mentioning how I always say Jurassic Park's like a gateway horror film. I don't think that movie's scary at all. But right. I've been watching it since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I've been watching it so long. I don't remember if I ever thought it was scary because I was so young. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that memory. That being said, I know there are kids that were scared by that movie. Yeah. That growing up now probably don't think it's scary anymore mm-hmm. and that you know like that just happens <laughs> yeah well i mean there, you know and especially with kids too i mean there there are regular you know everyday things that are you know we would never consider to be scary but kids are going to think they're scary because kids are small and these other things are big or they're loud or, you know, anything like that when technically it's not scary at all. So, I mean, yeah, like a movie like that, you know, you would never think twice about like, oh, this isn't a scary movie. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, here, little Tommy, you can come in here. I'm just watching Jurassic Park. And then, you know, right. One comes up on the screen and it's it's got spit flying off of its teeth. And, you know, (laughs) little, little Tommy has an accident and it's got to run in the other room or something. Yeah. Exactly. And every kid's different, you know, so it's like, but I feel like when you're a kid, you just believe the story a bit more. Yeah. Like us as adults, we know we're not ever going to be in a situation like Jurassic Park. Yeah. I don't know about you, but if one Jurassic Park will probably never exist. And even if it did, I know I couldn't afford to go. So (laughs) I would never have that problem. Yeah. (laughs) But as a kid, when you see those kids trapped in the Jeep and the T-Rex is destroying the, um, or not the Jeep, the, the Ford Explorer, destroying that vehicle with those kids inside, you could put yourself in that situation. Yeah. And those little kids, or, you know, yeah. the next day they, you know, they get taken somewhere by their parents and the parents have you know, the child locks on and the kid goes to open the door and he can't. And then he's like having flashbacks to, the night before yeah. when there's a dinosaur coming because he can't open the door. Exactly. And like, I, I've heard a bunch of people talk about how Jaws made them, made them afraid to go into a lake when they were a kid. Even what. though they knew sharks <laughs> aren't in lakes. I, <laughs> they knew I, it, but. I can't contribute this to Jaws because I'm not sure if it's where this irrational thought came from or just the thought of sharks in general. But I never liked to be underwater with my eyes closed. I would be in a swimming pool. I kid you not. And if I was swimming with my eyes closed, I was like, there's a shark going to swim up and get me. He's going to drag me under. And I'm in a swimming pool. Like it's, it's literally irrational, but 
I would think that like anytime I was underwater and I'd hurry up and pop back up and have to look around. I mean, it's, it's almost to the same, it's kind of like the same concept of, which call me crazy if, if nobody else <laughs> does this, but uh, you know, like in the shower, like when you're washing your hair and your eyes are closed, your face is in the water. Like, I just feel like I'm going to wipe my eyes and open them and there's going to be an entity in front of me. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's, that's such a scary thought, you know? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what my brain does. That's why I was saying if I had, if I was one of those people who you put me in Waverly and even if there's not anything there, my brain is going to play tricks on me and I'm going to see something. Yeah, I, I get that, though. I get that, though, because like we were talking about, like our generation grew up with certain movies. One of the big franchises while we were growing up was Final Destination. And, I've, and I think you know where I'm going with this. I can never be driving on the freeway and looking at one of those trucks that are hauling the log, like one of those yeah. log trucks. Yeah, I, I can't do it. I pass those as quick as I can. That, I just, and then I, I'm always, I'm constantly seeing the, uh, the semis that are pulling another semi cab, but it's looking yeah. at me. So like I'm driving straight, but this uh, <laughs> truck is on the ramp of this other truck, but it's facing me. So it looks like we're about to have a head on collision or something like that one always gets me. Yeah. And it's just like, I think semi trucks are scary. Just they're just scary. <laughs> but like, on the road. yeah. And then, and then stuff like that. Cause it's like, yeah, I, I can go all day <laughs> about, <laughs> about that sort of thing. But I just think it's interesting to think how much the world was scarier when we were kids. Yeah. That's why I think it's important for kids to watch horror movies. Not necessarily, not, not, I'm not now, not necessarily being like, hey, little, little Tommy, let's watch Hostel. <laughs> I don't mean that, but like I said, Jurassic Park is a good dip your toes in the water. The classic Universal Monsters, King Kong, mm -hmm. you know, some of those older uh, monster movies and then stuff like Stranger Things. Yeah. And then like the stuff you can watch and build on. Yeah. And like, you know, like for little, little kids, a movie like Hocus Pocus is perfect, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Scooby-Doo, maybe a little older for Stranger Things and A Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't think little Tommy yeah. should should watch Freddy Krueger too young, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it depends on the kid, too, you know? Yeah. So this has been a lot of fun. Where can the peeps find you should they want to? <laughs> should, they, should they want to, like we were, like you mentioned, I am a sign language interpreter. I'm a nationally certified sign language interpreter. That's where me and Austin met. I was interpreting at Horror Hound convention. Uh, yeah, and so if anybody is connected with any other conventions or different things like that, or... Uh, and then you want to provide sign language interpretation, you can actually, you should just be able to Google my name and I'll come up on the registry of interpreters for the deaf, actually. And it has my email and everything on there. But yeah, or if any listeners have a deaf family member or someone who attends those different types of conventions or you know, other, other genres as well, 
but, and you want to contact those places about providing an interpreter, definitely do that. And I'm totally down to travel to these different places and dip my toes in all of the genres. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that would be awesome. Yeah. If you're listening and you got those connections, you know where to find Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. And I said it right that time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, being on the show and talking Freddy Krueger and talking Stranger Things. I mean, I think a lot of people know that I'm a big Freddy fan. And I think people know Stranger Things is like one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So it would be, it was so much fun. Absolutely. I talk. enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Kelsey for joining me and talking to Nightmare on Elm Street and Stranger Things with me. You gotta love making new friends, especially at horror conventions. Next year, I'm gonna try to go to as many conventions as I can. So if you're in the Midwest and we go to the same one, feel free to say hi. I'm going to try and be better at updating the socials for when I'll be at conventions. I have not been doing a good job of keeping up with I Know What You Watched last week. While I did watch as much horror as I could in the month of October, the big one I finally watched this past weekend was Terrifier 2. Yes, the underground killer clown movie that have a bunch of people vomiting and fainting. Unfortunately, I neither vomited nor fainted, but I actually really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I don't think it needed to be two and a half hours long, but the leads, Lauren Lavera and David Howard Thornton, are both fantastic, especially David Howard Thornton's Art the Clown. Now, that is a mean motherfucker. This is an extremely gory film. It's quite nasty, and it's definitely not for everyone. If you're still new to the horror world, I definitely recommend building up to this one. But if you're feeling brave, check it out and see what you think. If you're enjoying the Would You Die podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to help support the podcast financially, I do have a Buy Me A Coffee page. I'll put the link in the episode description, but it is buymeacoffee.com slash show. If you choose, you can donate a dollar, say something nice, and just make my day. And if not, no worries, but any little bit will help this podcast in a big way. As always, you can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. For those celebrating, happy Day of the Dead. It's always good to remember those we miss with all of our hearts, and that we find comfort that our loved ones never truly leave us. Feliz Dias de los Muertos. Next week, we finally cover a monster created by the one and only Stephen King. Yes, you'll float too. Until then, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.